Welcome in to episode 43 of the House of L podcast. I am Lawrence Holmes, your host of the House of L podcast. I hope that you're doing well. I'm really excited for you to hear this week's episode, which is also going to be next week's episode. It's not the same episode. It's just an episode in two parts. I was not expecting that it would end up going this way, but it did. So let me tell you what we're doing today. I've been thinking about this for a while on what happens if I'm the guest on my own podcast? Well, how do you do that? Is it just me sitting here talking about stuff? Because I do that sometimes, but it might be better if someone asks me questions. So initially what I thought I would do is I would do three different interviews with three different aspects of me where I would have White Panther, have her half an hour. I have like Tony, Tony Gill, who's one of my producers, sit down and talk with me about media through his lens since he's, what, almost 20 years younger than I am. And then I'd have my students interview me. And I thought it'd be one episode that was 90 minutes long. Well, I sat down with my students on Monday, on Tuesday. We, we sat down, and there were two students who this past quarter, I said, you know, I, I think that they would be really good at, at handling the interviewing aspect of the podcast. And so I, I approached them after the quarter was over, and I said, listen, I do a podcast. I would love for you guys to interview me. And they were like, okay, let's, let's make it work. So they had been working together as a team doing shows together throughout the quarter and they had good chemistry. So I thought it, it could, it could end up working where the two of them interviewed me. So that's what we did. And it turned into a two hour long conversation, mainly because I am a long winded guest, but it was fascinating to see how they approached the interview. So part one of this interview, which is, is dropping, you're listening to it right now. This part of the interview is a lot more open and fun. Like, it's more fun. And we talk about a lot of cool stuff, and there's even a, a donut taste test in there because I dared besmirch the name of Stan's Donuts. So <laughs> Matthew decided that he would do a blind uh, Pepsi challenge with me. And I think it turned out pretty funny. I, I it's It's enjoyable. And they... They wanted to dig into who I was as a person, and I think it's a really cool strategy that they they went after who who am I as a person first, and then in part two, like we really got into the weeds of journalism and my career and stuff like that. So these are two really bright young broadcasters, Matthew Zafe and Bella Michaels, and both of them I. I predict are going to do very well if this is what they decide they want to do for their careers. Matthew is a car enthusiast. He hosts a, a podcast on cars. Bella, I can't even tell you some of the stuff that she's getting ready to do because I'm not allowed yet. But I'm telling you that she's going, she has the potential to be a big star because of some of the things that you'll hear us talking about inside this episode, the, the issue of language, and she knows multiple languages. 
So talking to her about that was interesting for me. So I don't want to want to waste your time with with the intro to this, but I just wanted to give you an idea of who these two young people are and very talented, very creative. We did the sit down in the Radio DePaul Sports Studio because that was a studio that they were most used to. And I, I thought that it went well. So without further ado, here is Matthew Zafe, Bella Michaels, and their guest, yours truly. Where do you guys want to start? Start wherever. <laughs> I mean, you guys are leading this. I'm just hanging out. Okay. I, I get to be the guest kind of today. Okay. Which is weird for me. So tell me a little bit about this phone call you had. You met this person through Peanut? or Yeah, uh, Charles Tillman and I had, had kind of become friends. And um, I'm hoping, like, I'm, I got my fingers crossed. I don't want to say too much because, you know, it hasn't happened yet. But I'm hoping that there's a, a deal with an advertiser that for this podcast, which is, it's been fun. So I don't know if I even told you guys about how, how and why I started the podcast in the first place. So back in May, I said, I went to my bosses and I said, I have this idea for a podcast. Went to my bosses over at The Score, went to my bosses at NBC Sports Chicago and said, I have an idea for a podcast. I want to talk with people in Chicago media and get their origin story because I'm a big comic book geek. That's what I was going to say. It's the House of L, isn't that Krypton? Like all that stuff? Very good. Cal L and all that. Yeah, I've been joking on the air on how I think it's... Khalil Mack is actually Superman. Yeah. Khalil, Cal L, like it actually works out. That's good. Most people don't know it. I'm still, Rob Elgis from Channel 7 has been busting my stones saying that it should be House of Homes. And I'm like, you don't get it. Exactly. <laughs> the like, L, like, like, <laughs> like there's a whole thing with the L. So yeah, I, I wanted to start the podcast and it was so much fun for me. To I, the idea of going to initially the idea was I would take the podcast on the road. I would go and talk with people where they worked in the first couple episodes. I did that. So Jason Benetti, I talked with him at White Sox, Cheryl Scott. Like I went to Channel 7 and did the podcast. And then I realized that it wasn't always great for the audio, that I haven't quite mastered the technical aspects of the audio so I said, well, I have access to a couple studios. What if I ask people to come be in the studio? And so they've been, people have been nice enough to come, whether it's here at DePaul or over at The Score. They've been nice enough to do it, which is great. But I'm working on an advertiser that I met through Charles Tillman. And hopefully by the time the next ep episode 44, this will be episode 43, but by the time episode 44 airs, I'm, I might be able to announce whether or not Ooh. they're on board. A little corporate sponsorship. Yeah, a little bit. Nice. No, not trying to do too much. Like, I don't want the, the pod to be inundated with advertising, but what it does do is it the advertising dollars allows me to produce stuff that isn't just me talking. So I've got some ideas like this episode, for example where it's not necessarily me it's i'm featuring other people and at some point i'm going to turn the podcast over to other people and have them do episodes then i'm just gonna do the front and back of each episode mm -hmm. well i want to ask you about your comic book 
because your comic book sort of like what is it an addiction would you say yeah like, it is strong passion. my brother is i mean that's how i even found out because he i know all about all this stuff through antonio my little brother and it sort of clicked to me and i was like but why can i saw the logo of your house of Al and it's the superman it's like the yes so tell me about it it started it started when i was a kid like there were two things that I three things that I really really loved and now I'm able to kind of combine all of them sports comic books and radio so when I was a kid there's a radio show a long time ago in Chicago called Steve and Gary Steve Dahl is is now currently working in the industry and his uh, run is getting ready to come to an end over at WGN he's also a pioneer in the podcasting business like he figured out early on that that's where the industry was going and he's also monetized it to a way that's unbelievable. Um, shout out to him. His show was incredible. The show that he and Gary used to do was incredible. They were just saying this crazy stuff on the radio. And I was like, you can say stuff like that <laughs> on the radio. And so I would be on the floor in the kitchen. And then when I was 12, 13 years old, just sitting on the floor with my comic books like all over the place while my mom was making dinner. So Captain America was like the first comic book. DC or Marvel? I, I'm both. I'm, okay. I, 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 I'm, I'm a Marvel person. A lot of people are. Like the movies, like the Marvel movies are so much better yes. mm -hmm. than DC. But DC's done a really good job with the television shows. Yeah. I, I enjoy Flash and Green Arrow and Supergirl. Supergirl's been kicking ass like over <laughs> the last uh, year and a half, I think. But those things combined with how much I love sports was kind of, the activities of me after school were I was going to listen to Stephen Gary, I was going to read comic books, and I was going to go to baseball or football or basketball practice. And these were during that. those formative years, right? Yeah, <laughs> it, it was. I mean, and, which is kind of honestly, like, I should not have been listening. <laughs> How old were you? I, I mean, it, at twelve, you definitely shouldn't have been listening Little to the Holmes. content of, <laughs> of of Stephen Gary. And but but it. My brother is five years older than me, so he was listening to it, and he's like, "You have to hear." Like we used to, we used to have tapes, nice of the Stephen Gary show that we would record the show and like listen back to it and and all that stuff. And and now, like you know, thirty years later, I've actually become friends with Steve. Like that to me That's is so a, cool. amazing that I know that guy on that level. So what was his formatting like? Was it a strictly sports-based podcast, or and it probably wasn't even called a podcast, and it was just a radio. It was show. a radio. What I would say that, God, I I know that Steve will probably get mad if I say this, but Steve was is in the same category as Howard Stern. Like My he's man. he's that big, and that show they used to feud with Howard. Really, like it was like a Chicago like New York thing. Where, but I would say the genre was guy talk. Mm -hmm. I, if, if the the early like guy talk on FM radio um, they had, but so I mean there was some uh, some adult content that a twelve or thirteen year old probably shouldn't <laughs> be listening to. Did you did you see? I have to ask you this. Did you see the new trailer for the new Avengers? Oh, you kidding I'm me? I'm so pumped. I I went crazy. Like it it would become a thing in the comic book world over the last couple of weeks of. When was this trailer going to come out? Because it was like, oh, yep. it's going to come out on Monday Night Football. And then it didn't come out on Monday Night Football. So there were lots of fun videos and people making their own trailers online. But What do you think is going to happen? I'm, I'm excited to see it. 
I'm I'm waiting for the Captain Marvel movie because I think that that's dope and and mm-hmm. I think that that is a uh, a real change for having a, a a woman front a franchise. Yeah, the way that Wonder Woman did. I think it's going to be a game changer for the way that things go. And and there's another character that I think is going to play a, a significant role. Squirrel in Girl? Sh- well, maybe. <laughs> maybe. <laughs> that, she's really dug deep into yeah, this. These are all like I'm telling you, me and my brother. I, it's, he, I mean, she's the only person that has beat Thanos in the comic books. There, there is – you see? Sure. See, Matthew? Like, there, there's going to be – there's going to be a reckoning. Like you have to put the Marvel universe back together. But I will say that if if you walked out of Infinity War and oh, and weren't emotional, I cried. There there were a lot of people who oh. there were people who were stunned. That and I I mean I had read the Infinity Gauntlet is one of my favorite my comic book too. series ever. So I knew what was going on. But my wife and I were sitting there, and she was like, so. Is that like the end of the movie? <laughs> like, is there more? I'm like, well, yeah, there's gonna be extra scenes, but yeah, that's <laughs> that's where we're at right now. She's like, I wasn't. I was the most heartbroken about Spider-Man. There are a lot of people <laughs> are. I I think that a fun. I've been joking about this. A fun, like next part of this would be if she survived. Uh, Tony Stark having to explain to Aunt May. Oh. What happened? <gasps> I think that oh. would be. Dope. Is it the Spider-Man movie though? When is that coming? The Spider-Verse out? movie should be out next week. And a friend of mine, I'm trying so hard to 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 get him back on the radio show. Jake Johnson from New Girl. He oh. he's become he's he's one of the Spider-Men, and so he's voicing one of the Spider-Men. That's and so cool. I'm trying because he's a huge Bears fan, and yeah. he he comes on the show a couple times a year. But I'm like, dude, this. The Bears are great, and you've got a Spider-Man movie coming out. The like, planets this are aligning. Yes, this is the perfect time to, for him to be on the show. <laughs> for me personally, uh, my superhero knowledge goes about as far as like Watchmen. Have you seen that movie? Yes. I think that's a fantastic superhero movie. I think that that changed the game for graphic novels. Mm. For people who don't necessarily like superhero movies, they were like, I can kind of get into – this alternate reality watchman type thing. A little anti-hero vibe in there. Absolutely. So I I think that there's a connection between um as far as like alternate realities and it being gritty. Have you watched uh, Man in the High Castle? You know, all of my best friends have been like pestering me nonstop to check that out. It's it's a good show. I should check it out. Yeah, if you liked Watchmen, I think that you'll you'll yeah. dig like this dystopian alternative. Just remind United me States. the concept. That's like if uh, Nazi Germany the, won. The Nazis had won World War Two. Hmm. What happens in an occupied United States? And isn't like Japan controlling part of California? Or yes, something? like yeah. they. I, I believe it's the Germans have everything east of the Rockies. And the Japanese have everything west of the Rockies. I I think it's worth watching. If you dug on Watchmen, then you should probably check out Man in High Castle. I'll have to peep it. Yeah, it's not bad. How are you guys doing? Doing great. We're doing good. I have another question for you, though, because now I'm curious. You just unleashed this entire, like, realm (laughs) for me. So who are your top three heroes or villains? I do like villains uh, or or anti-heroes. That's kind of become a fun way to say it. I am Captain America is my favorite. Like yes. I, I'm just, I just love Captain America. I've always loved Captain America. 
the episode where the episode the issue where he gets shot i still have that in a bag um, <laughs> it, it, it framed. was yeah that issue and the issue where where superman dies like i also have that one um so captain america is up there i love dr doom that My is what i was hoping you were gonna say yeah. yeah victor von doom is that if they if they knew what they were doing like you could do a doom series of movies and i think it would be great but that sony screwed up the fantastic four franchise mm. It's so bad that people forget that Chris Evans was Johnny Storm, yeah. the Human Torch, mm-hmm. and and you have Michael B. Jordan who was in there as well. Like, who I love. Shout out to Michael B. Jordan. Do you, have you seen Creed, Creed too? <gasps> I was waiting. So this, uh, I'm just so pumped right now. It's just so good. How can an actor just be so? I just have so much respect for him as as a human, as an actor. I love him, and I love I love fighting movies. I love Creed. Creed one was just astonishing and this one was just as good i hope for the sake of this man that he doesn't actually take the idea of fighting roy jones jr (laughs) seriously did you hear about all that i yeah don't get hurt because roy jones jr immediately shot back and was like if we want to do this give me five weeks and i'm ready he's like this young buck might be able to last a little longer he's like i'm gonna take him in deep water and take him to a real boxing match i think that would be a terrible decision on uh, jordan's part i think it would be an awful idea as well like you're pretty why mess up your pretty pretty. face (laughs) yeah why why do that why let a professional boxer mess up your pretty face arguably one of the greatest of all time there's a great uh oh man i there's a video clip of the first creed movie because a lot of punches like he took real punches you're talking about where he got knocked out yes yeah i've watched that a bunch of times yeah you oh, never yeah, seen yeah. that? Yeah. They were yeah. practicing some, you know, punches, and one of them just landed him on the chin yeah. when he, he, like, turned his head the wrong direction, or they didn't time it right, and he just dropped. It was supposed to be, like, he's yeah. turning into the punch as the the punch is being snapped, and he got caught hit right on the his button. His eyes rolled right back. He just, like, dropped. Straight down. And the studio put that out to kind of show, like, this is, like, what we're doing. Like, we're, not remember. everything is going to be phony on here. Yeah, I definitely... I just I love the Creed movies though I it was just so good I don't know what did you think did you see it Creed two I saw I liked it I loved the first Creed like the first Creed was uh, it was it was emotional because it actually reminded me of two of my friends and and one of them passed away Doug Buffon who used to work at the the score was he was a former Bear he still has the record for interceptions for linebackers. And my buddy Jason Goff, like that relationship between Adonis and Rocky is Mm -hmm. almost like perfect for the way that Doug and Jason used to interact. So watching it play out on screen was like it was emotional for me and Doug had passed away. And so it was a little bit rough. But that scene in Creed one where he kind of finally gets the approval of the biker boys where he's running down the street and you can just feel that they're in it with him. Like the, he's finally won over Philadelphia. That's a powerful scene. And in, in Creed two, they literally hand the franchise to him. There's, mm-hmm. there's the moment where Stallone, as Rocky says, you know, it's, it's your show now and gives him a fist bump and then walks away. So I mean, it's, it's literally, Mm-hmm. handing off the franchise to to Michael B Jordan but I fight movies are good. Yeah. Cuz you kind of know how they're going to turn out except for million dollar baby. Mm-hmm. You kind of know how they're going to turn out and you still get pumped up with it regardless. Exactly. It's good stuff. The soundtrack to it was good too. 
Oh. It was great. I liked it. I downloaded it right away. Really? Yeah, I did. (laughs) How do you guys, like, I've been trying to figure out, I've I've come to the conclusion that I really like, and I I don't mean to generalize, but I really like Generation Z. This is what I figured out in the last two classes because those two classes have been more filled with Gen Z kids than the previous five that I've taught. And I think it's because I'm old enough to be your parents. So so I think that <laughs> there's some of that that's going on where I'm like, I can relate to them because it seems like they can relate to me a little bit better than, than the millennial kids did. But what's it like out here for you? Because I... I had the I still occasionally will read a newspaper. I will still read a magazine. But for the most part, your whole lives has been digital. I so, think I mean myself personally is a slight exception to that. I'm a little older. I kind of fall in that like end of millennial, beginning of Gen Z. Zennial. I'm a Zennial, I guess if you want to put a label on it. Um so for me personally, I grew up like subscribing to every automotive magazine you could find. So I mean I've like grown up with the, you know, print. I like feeling something in my hands. The, I definitely the tactile aspect of it. Exactly. And for me, as someone that's so passionate about automobiles, I think there's something to like seeing cars in print, getting to, you know, tangibly hold it. I mean, nothing can be multimedia in terms of exposure to something like that, especially in that subject matter. But having, you know, the magazine or the book or something for me has always been so important. And for years, I had a stack of them in my room as a kid. I saved them. I hung on to everyone thinking somehow that these are going to be worth something like, oh, yeah, the 2003 Bugatti issue or something like that this is going to be, you know, worth something someday. And eventually I had like, you know, a hoarder stack in my closet that I just needed to ditch one day. But do you keep any of them? Uh, I probably have a couple hanging, you know, hanging around here and there. I'm still subscribed to like Car and Driver, Motor Trend and uh, Road and Track. But I mean, generally, I recycle those bad boys after about a month. I like hanging on to them, though, in case I'm like going on a long flight and like I don't want to go buy a new issue. If there's some old articles I haven't checked out, that's the move for me. We have, did you figure out like your favorite car, what your favorite car was back then? Yeah. So uh, thank you to the first Need for Speed. I'm talking like. I'm going to date myself a little here, but uh, we're talking like Windows 98 era, you know, pre-2000, Need for Speed 1 on computer featured the McLaren F1, which is bar none the greatest car ever made. And so little five-year-old me was playing that, and that was the only car I ever played as in the game. So that was kind of like my introduction into like the hypercar territory of the world and what is possible with human engineering and whatnot. And so that's kind of like where I decided. So yeah, from that moment on, it was like borderline obsession with that car, you know, that continues to this day. So it seems like you had that moment, like the moment I had with radio, mm-hmm. it seems that you had that moment with cars. Yeah. And that, that sparked two loves. I mean, it was my love for video games and, you know, gaming and that art form. And then that like shifted all my focus. Cause as a, you know, as a younger child, I was really into like construction equipment and I was, you know, in love with all the Caterpillar stuff like that. But making the transition to automobiles completely changed my world. Do, do you go down into the eSports lab here and no, play? No, you know, I walk by, I observe sometimes from afar. But, I mean, if I'm going to play a video game, I'll just go on my couch and <laughs> the comfort of my apartment. I, I am fascinated by that place. I'm terrified to it, walk in it because, so busy. because I'm an 8-bit guy. Like, I'm, <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a Nintendo NES or Super NES dude. But I see them down there playing, and I'm like, wow, like you're, you can literally play video games with anyone around the world. That's right. It's fascinating. Well, online gaming is one of the coolest advancements in any form of media, I think. I mean, that, that changed the game entirely. I think that, that if I had real money, like that would be the investment that I would make. Like I would invest in the eSports franchise. So like in a team of some sort? Mm-hmm. 
I think that's where where this whole thing is going to go. The fact that there are people who will watch Ninja Ugh. play is amazing to me. Like we're going to we're going to watch this guy play video games and pay for it. Yeah, that I don't get. Like I'm as passionate of a gamer as the next guy, but for some reason the whole Twitch franchise, I feel like that is something that was more adopted by the Gen Z people, and that's something I personally like don't really understand because it's like, well, if I want to watch the game why don't i just pick up the controller and play myself i know it's cool watching someone super talented at something but it's like uh, so I, just, that I don't see the hype that hasn't translated to you that's interesting i don't get it bella you play at all i do i'm more of an xbox one person and that's before right. that i was an xbox 360 um wait let me guess fifa oh how'd you know <laughs> would you look at that i actually played a lot of call of duty and zombies black ops um that was my was this my with game. your brother or are you doing this on your actually own? This is a little trick I played on, on some of my friends. I played Zombies, eighth grade. I'm like, Dad, Zombies came out. I need to go buy this game. He takes me over to Best Buy. I buy Zombies. I bring it home. I start playing Xbox, right? And I had my guy friends that played Zombies. And one day, you know, I would play. I'd make it well. Like, in, in the rounds, we'd go into Kino, Kino der Toten, the, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> yes. The Nazi uh, location because you sure. get to choose. So I would play, I'd make it probably up to like 10 rounds. And then afterwards I'd start deteriorating. (laughs) So my brother one day, I was like, Antonio, can you please get on and play as me? And I'll stay on on my Turtle Beach headphones and talk to the guys, make (laughs) it think like I'm still playing. Oh my God. And he would be going and they're like, whoa, Bella's going off, you guys. Like, this is this is getting real. I'm this like, you guys. Play. I was like, you guys underestimated me because I'm a girl, right? Like, and so I started, I started playing, but it was really Antonio. Uh, so thankfully for my brother, I, you know, I got to stunt on them a little bit, but I, I played my fair share of zombies. FIFA, on the other hand, I've been playing since like 2010 and I suck. I absolutely suck at it. Like you think that it's amazing. To me. I can't you're, you're score a goal. I can't, I can't even score a goal. I'll, I can't. It's just terrible. With with your love of soccer, like I, I would imagine that you were just playing like hour after hour after hour of FIFA. That's the thing. I don't play hours, but when I did play, I was always playing with people so much better than me, and I just I never got to score. It was terrible. <laughs> I, it's still like that. Well, that's I the was, only way to get better, though, right? Play with people that are much better than you. Well, I was playing the other day FIFA like a couple of weeks ago with a friend, and he completely like sm- like killed me in it. And I couldn't score. There were times I was like passing the ball, and it would just go out to the mm. sidelines. And I'm like, "What was I hate that? To see that?" But yeah, with soccer, it's I love it, but I can't in real life. I can't score a goal, and in the game. So did you? You never played? I'm the. I just told you I'm the least athletic person. I know. I know. We were talking about the running, and you said that you you get tired walking oh, across yeah. the hall. But <laughs> I I usually it's a weird thing because a lot of times sports starts out with you see sports and you're like, "Oh, I want to go play them." And then you play them, and you're like, I'm never going to be as good as the best people, exactly. so I want to watch the best people that do it. This is the story. I'll, I'll give you a little little Bella um, story. So back when I was little Bella, I performed professionally. I sang in Assyria, and I traveled. Uh, I sang actually in a concert with Shaka Khan, Eric Benet, Stevie Wonder at Whoa. the Gibson Amphitheater back in like... Flex. Wow. Yeah, it was, it was 2011. <laughs> yeah, November 1st, 2011, I believe was the day. Um, so I used to sing. I had no physical like capabilities whatsoever. Um, and then in high school, actually before high school, I always loved soccer in middle school because my dad played professionally and my, my brother played, you know, in park district stuff, local teams. 
and I always grew up watching it. So soccer has been like a passion. Um, but then lately, I st- well, not lately, in high school, I started loving baseball. Basketball I loved in middle school. So I, I grew this passion for sports, but not playing them. I was just a big fan. I'd go to games. I'd cheer them on. But so I just admired from the sidelines, not on the, on the court. So that's just where it became. So once I, once I graduated high school, I'm like, you know what? This is the field for me. I'm not doing singing anymore. And I just, it, I grew out of it and I grew into, into my passion for sports. Matt, I wasn't sure if you were really a sports guy when the, the course started. Mm-hmm. I, and honestly, I'm still not <laughs> quite sure about that, which is amazing because you did very well Thank you. In, in the course. So oh, yeah. is, is there is there a sport that outside of motorsports? Because I know how you feel about motorsports. Right. Is there a sport that captures your attention? So I grew up playing tennis for a long time. So, I mean, all throughout my lifetime, I watched a lot of the Grand Slams. Uh, my grandmother lived in Flushing, Queens, so we always drove by Arthur Ashe Stadium. So, I mean, it was always a dream of mine to go watch one of the uh, Grand Slams in New York. Still haven't made it there yet. Um, So I do keep up to date with the tennis stuff. I mean, my boy Federer is still out there kicking ass, so I'm all about Federer. I used to be a big Andre Agassi guy back when I was really little. You're missing someone. What, are you talking about Nadal? Yeah. I mean, Nadal, yeah, (laughs) legend in his own right. I mean, he's not my guy like Federer is, but I, you know, I have mad respect for him. Besides that, like, honestly, like, extreme action sports, like, if you want to put that in, like, another territory, completely different than the tennis thing. But I love watching, you know, the X Games any form of crazy snowboarding, the guys that do crazy skateboarding, things that I would never in a million years get on a board and do. But it's just cool to watch someone go throw like a 1080 McTwist or something like that. So that's what I'm into. But yeah, to answer your question, it's pretty much motorsports these days. I did watch the whole Bears game the other night. That was kind of a big deal for me. <laughs> Step in the right direction. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, yeah, and traditionally. And pulled up with some great stats on our Bulls talk, that one show we did for the class. Yeah, that those are – that's honestly – I try to make it make a point of saying early on in the course that I honestly don't care how much you know about sports. You can get you. you can get an A in this class by listening. And and there've been throughout the years there've been students that are like they want to impress me with how much they know and I'm just like that's great but that's not what we're doing today. Like we're not doing Jeopardy where I ask you a sports question and you get a good grade because you happen to know know some trivia about it so it's appreciated fun fact about me i haven't picked up a racket in 20 years but when i put my racket down i was a usta 4.5 rated player dude (laughs) let's go swing no come on (laughs) done there's a couple things i'm done with it's it's funny like i put my racket down and like never picked it up again which is weird it's really weird i i was so happy like i i enjoy I, i love baseball like i still like have visions like Maybe someone will want a 43-year-old catcher with <laughs> terrible knees. Um, so my wife and I actually do a lot of traveling because she digs on baseball too. Uh, she's a, a Cardinals fan, um, and and we and she loves the White Sox, which is weird. But we go to a lot of White Sox games around the country, and we did the speed throw at mm-hmm. White Sox. And I was surprised. Like, I was still throwing in the mid-60s. Impressive. Ooh. Without having warmed up. So I I played baseball at DePaul, and I could hit, like, 80-81 on the gun back then. And I was like, I wonder if, like, if I actually trained, could I get back around 75 or so? And then my buddy was making me feel better. He's like, you know, those guns are slow. 
at at the ballpark because they want you to throw harder. They want you to keep giving money hmm. to throw oh. so the guns are a little slower. He's like, you were probably throwing about 70 miles an hour. I was like, yes. <laughs> That's all I need. But, like, what makes me if, – if I'm really frustrated, I go to the batting cage. Like, if I'm having a really horrible day or horrible week, I can spend – Forty dollars at a batting cage like that, and just take swings until I'm tired. That's a good stress relief. It is. It's there's just far. So I'd like I'm now transferring the stress relief into boxing. Like I'm gonna hit bags for a while to to relieve some stress. I have a question with your with your past sports history. What's your favorite sport that you've played? I'm baseball. Baseball. Uh, I'm, it. What's really weird though is I prefer covering football. It's it's a strange thing, but there's a structure to football that I really like. It made the week easier. To give you an example, if you cover a baseball team, you're committed to 200 days. That's committed. So like, and even more than that. For example, the um, the people who are covering the White Sox and the Cubs are at the winter meetings right now in Las Vegas, mm-hmm. and they are they have to cover that. Which, it's Las Vegas in the middle of winter. That's great. Like, that's a a fun thing. But then, spring training is going to start in early February. And from early February through, with the Cubs last few years, through October, you're there. You show up at the ballpark. If if it's a night game, if it's a 7-10 first pitch, the locker room, the clubhouse opens at 3-30. So, you're committed to 3-30 to probably midnight. On every day. So people who are traveling with the team, that's what they're doing every day throughout the summer with some off days here or there. Football's great. The NFLPA has mandatory days off. So Tuesday is always off. There is no work at the facility. You can do other work, but and and it's it's regiment. It's you show up, there's an a, a amount of time that you're available, that they're available to talk to for you to video. It's long, and I used to live 50 miles from the, the Bears facility. I guess technically I still do. And I used to make that trip every day, Monday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. But give me covering football over covering baseball, even though I would much rather go to a baseball game than a football game. I've Outside of games I've covered, I don't like going to football games. I actually think that that game lends itself better to television than it does watching it live, unless you're watching it in a controlled environment. And I get that opportunity because I can be in the press box or I know someone who has a suite or whatever. That's the way to watch a game. My wife's crazy. She went to go see, uh, was it Bears Packers? She went to go, she's a Packer fan too. It's a long story. (laughs) She'll have her episode coming up in a couple of weeks. (laughs) We can go through all of that stuff. But she went to a game where I think it was minus 10. Her and her friend, like, packed up, and they did, like, seven layers. And I'm just sitting there going, this is stupid. Like, crazy. there is no reason for you to go. And they left it at the end of the second quarter. I was like, yes, because why would you be outside? So give me baseball all the time as a fan. But as far as covering it, football is where it's at i also think that it, because the league is so is so powerful that your 
that that the way that people perceive football coverage is a little different than baseball. It's a higher platform. Yeah. I've always joked that covering the Bears is the sports equivalent of covering City Hall. People want to know everything mm-hmm. about that team. Now, was it always a uh, – did the NFL always have that built-in, like, little free time, or, or was it a grind in the past? Yeah, I mean, the collective bargaining agreements have – have. it'll be in two years from now, they're going to have a, another, I think, work stoppage between the players and ownership because of some things that, that players want as far as uh, revenue sharing with with the owners that the owners don't want to give up even though that that league is making money hand over fist so yeah there you had to fight I mean, it, a long time ago football players athletes in general but football players in particular used to have to have other jobs right so you, they they'd be playing football in the fall and they'd be selling cars outside of that or working uh, on a construction site and now that's not the case you don't have to do that you don't have to have another job but the contracts aren't guaranteed in baseball i was sitting in a room this past week with three football players lance briggs matt forte and alex brown and we were talking about bryce harper and i was saying how excited i am that the white Sox are even in the mix to get bryce harper i don't think they're going to get him but if they do i'm going to go crazy uh, i'm, I'm going to lose my mind as a season ticket holder and a white Sox fan but i said to him he's going to get million, maybe $400 million, and that money is guaranteed. And those guys were just like, I hate baseball. Because they've played for a decade in the NFL. And after your your second deal, like you're you're not guaranteed to really anything Mm -hmm. in, in the NFL. Alex Brown's son is a great baseball player. Like he's figured it out. And instead of sending his son to play football, he's like, my son's going to play baseball right now. And it's happening with Kyler Murray, mm-hmm. who the quarterback at Oklahoma just won the Heisman Trophy. He got $5 million from the A's. He was drafted in the top 10. And his agent is like, I understand that he won the Heisman, but um, we're going to take him to go play baseball. Here's why. Do you know the name Jeff Samarja? Ever heard that name? He used to pitch for the Cubs a long time ago, long hair, they call him the Shark. Jeff Samarja is a little bit than average, a little bit better than average starting pitcher. And he's been so for a decade. He played football at Notre Dame, so people are like, he's going to go play wide receiver or tight end in the NFL. That guy in his career has made more money than Tom Brady. What? And all of his money is guaranteed. Whoa. Wow. And how often does he play? He pitches every five days. Okay. So, but. So he's working. Sure. No, no, no. He's working. He put, he definitely puts in the work. But no one's ever going to talk about Jeff Samarja in the history of baseball. Like, no one's going to be like, man, that guy is one of the greats. Tom Brady is arguably the greatest, the greatest. quarterback who's ever lived. And this guy who's kind of middle of the road baseball player has made more money than him. Now, why is that? Because the contracts in baseball are guaranteed and the revenue sharing that the baseball union. There's no salary cap. There's no salary cap. There's a luxury tax now, but there's no salary cap. And their union might be the most powerful union in the country. Hmm. The the stuff that Marvin Miller did with the Baseball uh, Players Association, they're terrifying. Because you talk about workers' rights. Like, they were on top of it. 
and for, from the word go. And it's just that's why Bryce Harper is going to make four hundred million dollars. See, so. I, I love baseball and I want Harper at the Cubs. What, what do you think about all this? Where do you think he's going to go? I, my heart just wants him to be on the south side so badly. What's been strange about the Cubs is now you're starting to hear people say they don't have any money. <laughs> like, which is weird that the Cubs have to they they have to watch their budget for this year because their cable their their cable channel hasn't started yet. Mm-hmm. So next year at this time, they will be launching their their new cable channel and it's going to make a ton of money. But as for now, they haven't. So they're right up against that luxury tax threshold, which means they could end up trading Ben Zobris. I keep wondering if all these reports are pe- are the Cubs like, no, we don't have any money. And then just like, yeah. <laughs> swoop, and then swoop in in the last minute. Harper grew up with Chris Bryant. Exactly. And and he has a dog named Wrigley. All that stuff. And they swoop in the last Like, that's going to break White Sox fans' heart. Like, they, they, most White Sox fans have gotten over the Cubs-White Sox thing. But if we go through this whole mess, he can sign anywhere else. Any, yeah. absolutely anywhere else. White Sox fans won't even be mad if he signs in Detroit or Cleveland. If he signs with the Cubs after everyone telling us that the Cubs are broke, and then all of a sudden Theo's like, oh, I just found $400 million in the seats of my sofa. Here you go, Bryce Harper. Welcome to the Cubs. White Sox fans are going to be, you won't be able to console them. But the thing is, that's been the talk for the past, like, two years easily with with Harper going to the Cubs because of his buddy Bryant but I also heard this I want you to confirm if you can I don't know if it's true but apparently they might be getting rid of Chris Bryant I that surprised me the talk around Chris Bryant over the last year to me has been ridiculous they're gonna have to pay him too and I think that that's part of the reason that the Cubs are out on Bryant I'm on 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 Harper is because they're gonna have to pay Chris Bryant, mm-hmm. they, they have a lot of money that's already being, you know, given to Jason Hayward, which mm, <laughs> 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 they, they and they've made some some missteps in free agency. But to me, Bryant is the better player. I actually prefer him to Harper. I do as well. And, and if, if the Cubs want to get rid of him, I can find a place for him for the next <laughs> 10 years over on the south side of the city. I don't think I think that that guy is a cornerstone piece. Yeah. I don't think you you trade him, but I also wouldn't be surprised. He's under salary and contract control uh, over the next few years. But I wouldn't be surprised if when he becomes a free agent that he leaves. That's what I'm saying, yeah. But I'm... he's that's still a few years away. So, but I wouldn't be surprised because he was not happy about mm-hmm. not being called up when he was ready to be called up because – the Cubs wanted to get another service year out of him. So I wouldn't be surprised if he, if in a few years we're talking about Chris Bryant getting $300 million from somewhere. But he, I don't think he's going anywhere. I think they'd be foolish to to even entertain the idea. That guy is, is a great player. He's great for your brand. Exactly. It, it, there's no reason to, to mess around with that. Pay him. Go to arbitration with him every year until he becomes a free agent. Pay that man his money. Exactly. Go to Wrigley and you'll see 90% of the fans wearing Bryant jersey. Can I tell you guys something cool I saw this this past week? Mm-hmm. Charles Tillman, again, a uh, second mention for him on the pod today, he was at the Bears game Sunday night. 
And he said that I was watching his Instagram story. Any Bears fan that he saw with his jersey, he ran up to him and signed him. No. That is awesome. How crazy is that? That, that is amazing. Is. So, like, you would see videos of these fans just being like, wait. Who, wait. <laughs> what? what? Is this for real? Who is this large man? Oh. And he's like, turn around. I'm going to sign your jersey. And people were really dug it. So That's amazing. It's the same thing with Chris Bryant. Like, he's he's – He's got that million-dollar smile. And he's a good guy. He seems to be a good guy. I'm very careful about declaring <laughs> people good guys, I but know. he seems to be a good guy. I, I believe so. I, I like, I'd like to think so. I hope yeah. so. <laughs> but you never, ever, ever know. But that Bears game, what a game to be at. Pretty crazy, and I wouldn't have wanted to be at that either. I mean, I would have because I have a seat in the press box. Yeah. But, but – Outside, no Ooh. way. Well, it's clear the, the the Rams didn't want to be there. It was real <laughs> clear that they were like, get us up out of here. We do not want to be here at all. At all. You guys want to talk to me about sports? You don't want to talk to me about sports, do you? Yeah, we do. Yeah? We're Are here. you joking? I'm a sports journalism major. That's true. Yeah. What else would I want to talk about? Well, Matt, did you say you want to do food stuff? Yeah, I mean, if we're if you want to transition to that right now, Ooh. if you're cool with it, yeah. Okay, so I, uh, 100%. yeah, so I mean, during the quarter, you and I talked a little bit, a little, excuse me, a little bit about food and how you're always on the road, and so you like to check out different places. And when I brought it to more local around Chicago, you come off as a guy that appreciates a good donut. Facts. And this is a subject matter that you and I almost had a fierce debate on, a little disagreement in class. I will, I will say this after our conversation mm -hmm. here. I did go to stands. Okay. I didn't get a donut. Okay. I got the apple pie there, and it was very good. Well, I'm glad you enjoyed it. So because that was in my mind when I uh, was getting ready to come on the podcast today, I thought I'd run a few errands this morning and just settle this debate once and for all. So I'm actually pulling out. <laughs> uh, I got a little tray here. Uh, this so this is great. This is, uh, is going to be a blind taste test. We have three donuts, all very like in uh, in appearance and in flavor. I would like you to take a taste of either of these. <laughs> I have a knife here as well, so you don't have to eat the whole thing. And I want you to settle it for right now. You okay. have no idea where these are from. I'm not even going to tell you where these are from. I have a list on the side. So I want you to look at these beautiful donuts. Please. Okay. Help yourself. This was a logistical nightmare for me, by the way, to, uh, to get to all these because nothing is close in the city. So I have a knife right here for you. I actually might be able to tell by the way that they look. Okay, well, then that, that would be even more impressive. So just after you take a bite, return them to their point because I have my little reference sheet right here. All right, so they're they're just glazed donuts. That's all. Yeah, I, I wanted to go simple. These are glazed donuts. I don't okay. want to go anything crazy. If I went with a really so awesome. a, a really crazy one, we might have uh, you know given up an identity. So Yeah, I, I actually do think that, to me, it's ideal if you can do a – we're breaking all sorts of rules about food in this studio. You know what? It's all right. Okay. All right. So this is this is donut. Do so this is your you're, you're biting into one? you're biting into donut C right now. This is, donut I, I, this, C. this is our little reference at the top right here. That's pretty good. So donut C, <laughs> we're tasting. Yeah. Again, these are all just straight glazed donuts. I wanted to keep everything as uniform as possible. Didn't want to have any appearance, give anything away. I should have brought a coffee. That's my mistake. I got water. Okay. I don't drink coffee. Oh, well then. He drinks good. tea, chamomile, if I remember correctly. Very good, Bella. I do drink Thanks. tea. Thanks. Extra points. <laughs> no, i joking. Okay, so that donut is pretty good. So what did you like about that donut? What did you dislike about that donut? Um, I don't. Or is it just a pretty standard donut? It's a standard donut. 
there's nothing wrong with it. Okay. Um, it wouldn't be my first choice for glazed. Okay. But it's solid. Like if someone offered me this, I would say thank you okay. and be like, that was that was pretty good. That was a uh, that was a donut. I couldn't smell the grease, so that's really good. Okay. Because that's that is my biggest pet peeve mm -hmm. when they're not cleaning the grease. Oh my god! If you walk into a donut place and you can smell the grease, sloppy. Walk out. Walk right out. <laughs> because it's bad. All right. So donut two. Yeah. Oh wait, this is B. So you're so that was C. You're going to B now. Okay. This is A. All right. So this is donut B. Yeah. So this required a couple L trips, a little bit of walking, a little cab fare. You know. I feel like this one is maybe a little bit higher quality than, okay. than what C was, just from... The knife work? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> He's smelling it right now. <laughs> it smells pretty good. The suspense is killing me. I know. <laughs> Look at that determination he has right now. This is how you make great radio. This is a great radio. Me <laughs> eating donuts on the yeah. pot. <laughs> All right, so we just tasted Donut B. Donut B, a little softer. Maybe it tastes a little more fresh. Okay. Than Donut C. Okay. Does. I think it's a little bit better. It's got the glaze is good too. Nice. I'm enjoying the glaze. All right, let me try A. All right. But it was tasty. You got to do water, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, cleanse the palate. palate. Cleanse exactly. the palate. Yep. Get yourself ready. <laughs> Don't want any false positives here. <laughs> Okay, this one, this, the construction of it is different. It's a little bit more raised than the other two, mm -hmm. which is making me really interested in where it came from. Do you have any ideas off the top of your head where you think these came from? I do. Okay. I we'll, do, but I know I'm going to be wrong. We'll have to confirm. Hmm. Smell of this one's pretty good, too. Hmm. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, we got a nice mmm out of him with that one. The other ones didn't get a mmm. This is Did exciting. They? I probably like that one better. Which one? Than the other two. So this was A, right? Yes, sir. <laughs> it's like, yes, sir. Okay. So if I had to rank them. All right, here we go. On taste alone, mm -hmm. I would rank them A. B and C, right? So yeah, yeah. This A, B, and C. So A being number one, B being number two, C being number three. On presentation, I would go B, A, and C. Okay. So it seems like A is kind of close to the top. It ranks number two in presentation, number one in taste. Yep. All right. Do you want me to reveal? Yeah. These it's, this one's clearly from Stan's. Yep. So uh, donut A is going to be Stan's. <laughs> So I finally got you to admit it because I knew Stan's was the uh, the master donut. But B is going to be fire cakes, and then C is do right. Yeah. So we I tried to cover some of the big ones around Chicago. You, you These covered you covered two of my favorite places. I knew I knew you were a, a fire cakes guy, so fire I had I had to pit fire cakes and Stan's at least. No, I I like that you did that. The fire cakes churro donut is maybe my favorite donut right now. Really. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that was the thing. I, I wanted to go simple. Are you guys going to eat the rest of this? I mean, I'll have a bite I'll later. Yeah, we'll, okay. we'll, we'll bring them over here. Yeah, yeah. let Bella have some of that. Oh, yeah. Feast yourself on these delicious pastries. I'm a big foodie. Yeah, I wanted to keep it simple because I knew most places their specialty donuts wouldn't line which up. But I didn't want to be I? comparing apples and oranges here. Um, I so would go for the stands. Yeah, go for the stands. Yeah, one, for the stands. I just wanted to confirm which one yeah, you those rated the highest. 
Ooh. One of my, my biggest nice issues texture. with stands is cost. Cost and taste. So if you add it up, like the fact that you're paying four dollars for what's what's a solid donut, but does that detract from the it, overall enjoyment? It a little really bit? does. Like my wife bought a dozen from there, and it was like thirty eight dollars. I was like, yeah, that's, what? That's what? criminal. I'm like, what? That, that is, is criminal. Because there's a great donut place by me on the south side called Dat Dat Donut Dat Donut on eighty third and Cottage Grove that. You need to get there early. No lie. You need to get there early. But it is – at some point, I'm going to do, like, a whole donut episode of the podcast. But that's one of my favorite places. They do a, a chocolate glaze donut that is dynamite. It's flaky. Like, it's crunchy. Uh, it smells good. Now, now, Dad also has an aroma advantage, okay? Mm. It's next to what some people consider one of the better barbecue places oh. in Chicago. So you walk in and you're smelling this incredible barbecue. And then like you're with the donuts. So like it has an advantage. I love Huck Finn as well. Uh, whether when I was an undergrad at DePaul, uh, my boy Izzy and I, he lived on the south side. We go over to Huck Finn all the time and 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 go get they were open 24 hours. So we go get these are new spots for me. I got to write yeah, these down. Huck Finn is I mean, the donuts are great, but I mean, it's get the Texas and get it with a scoop of ice cream and hot fudge. Oh man! Wow. So so okay. So like you know how you have the 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 donut here from Fire Cakes. Mm -hmm. Imagine a donut that's two sizes bigger than that. Oh my god! Same donut, but two sizes bigger. That's These called are the, pretty big. Yeah, that's called the Texas. What a time to be alive. Then they also have the Alaska. The Alaska. <laughs> and what's the difference? Alaska is bigger than Texas. <laughs> 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 so so they have that too so my my bachelor party ended at huck finn nice like we we had gone out to poncho pistola on 31st we drank tequila we ate food we had a great time and then at some point i was like i want donuts <laughs> and they were like yes let's go get him donuts since he's getting married in a couple of weeks and we ended up over at Huck Finn, and I got myself a Texas with a scoop of, of vanilla ice cream and hot fudge, and I couldn't have been happier. Did you crush it? Oh, are you kidding? <laughs> After a night of us drinking tequila? Like, I don't really drink, yeah. but it's your bachelor party, so you kind of have to. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I needed that. <laughs> that, <laughs> that was a very much needed moment for me, for sure, but it... I like this. This is a good taste. I should do like a blind taste test on the on the pod one yeah, day. Yeah, I was just trying to you know warm you up to the idea of doing a full, maybe even a donut podcast someday. Well, I I don't I don't want to do a whole like thing because though people have asked me, there's a place. I'll give you another place. This is out go. in the burbs. Here I go. Oh, that's out on Spunky my Dunkers. territory. Probably. Spunky Dunkers in Palatine. Spunky Dunkers. I yeah. think that place is maybe the best donut shop in the area. That's closer to where I live. You should go. Have you been? No, I haven't. Twenty four hours. Walk what? in there at three in the morning if you want. I gotta try. Are you are you like a low key like undercover donut critic? Yes. Do you go and just you do a little world tour? Yes. And just well, he walks in. If he if he smells grease, he doesn't even I walk out. He doesn't even out. dignify them by what? tasting their donuts. But any the great thing about like my job is it gives me a chance to travel. So when I travel, like that's one of the things that's on my agenda. Do you do the recommendation boxes like Sheldon? 
where you go to the place and you try to close it down if it no, has the grease. No, off. if it, I don't, I don't want to, I don't want to rag on something other than stands. I used to rag on stands, <laughs> but I, I, I'm not trying to rag. I'm just trying to find places that I enjoy that other people might enjoy. And so one of the things I told Matt was when I was in in Minnesota this past summer, um, Mel and I, my wife, and White Panther. Um, we, we went to a place called Glam Doll Donuts in Minneapolis and it was, um, it's the best donut I've ever had. They had a donut called the, the Pucker Up. Pucker Up. It's a lemon glazed donut with lemon cream and ordinarily it would be something that I wouldn't order. See, I'm not too crazy about lemon. I can't do it. I, I'm with you, but it was so beautiful. Wow. That I was like, I have to try this donut. <laughs> and I tried it, and I looked at Mel, and, and she was like, this place is amazing. I was like, yeah. So it, it's really high on my list. I'm going out to Arizona later on in the week, and there's a couple donut places that I like. There's a place called Hertz Donuts, which is an East Coast place, but the, the guy moved to Phoenix, and the donuts there are really good. I don't like the super crazy donut. Like, I really don't. <laughs> like, I don't need the... Oh man, we we threw a whole Sprinkles bunch of stuff all over, yeah. And hibiscus icing, right? Yeah. I don't need that. Can you make a good chocolate cake donut? Oh, because if you can't, good. I don't. I don't really I have, no have business any use. Being right, here. right. So that that's kind of become my thing. But I've branched out and tried some different stuff. I like grocery store bakeries, honestly, because mm. I like places where one you don't smell the grease and that there is some artisanship mm-hmm. that has gone into the donut. Shout I think, out Mariano's. Have you? They make a good donut. I haven't been in a while, but I'm going to have to because they closed down the waltz mm. by my parents. So I might have to go check out the Mariano's by my parents and do a little donut thing there. Have you tried Zeppole? No. So that's an Italian pastry, usually for the day of San Giuseppe, so St. Joseph's Day. It's like a traditional thing. And that I think you would get a kick of because I can't get enough of those. It's a custard filling inside or um or the cannoli filling you can have a combination or it, you could get it baked or fried see i would i would get fried. it baked oh. i always get baked i don't do fried i can't do fried like tony soprano and i do the custard i don't do the cannoli filling it's baked custard oh my gosh i have like 20 of those within an hour see i imagine that you can eat anywhere i'm so jealous of the fact that you speak like a hundred languages because <laughs> I feel like that means that you're getting, like, don't I, like the it, authentic experience. Yeah, like there's the authentic experience, and then you can also ask for stuff that we might never ask for. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I I go to those places because I look for it as an excuse where I could speak to people because like I get tired of like practicing with myself sometimes because here around here like a lot of people don't speak you know, certain languages that I do, so I have nowhere to practice. So I walk and I'm like, hey, can you give me some of those like. You know, ten depole for like you know for me, please. And so, so what languages do you speak? I speak English, uh, Italian, Spanish, Assyrian, and French. French is in progress still, but that is incredible. Are you going to add another one? I want to. Uh, I actually do understand a little bit of Arabic, so I could speak here and there. Same with Polish and Portuguese. So, but those aren't fluent, so I don't include them. See, I feel like the people who have that gift, like your mind works differently than. The rest of ours. It's a. It. I've tried to pick up Spanish, and I. I can speak what. And Sierra and I talked about this on a, a previous episode. What I would call survival Spanish. Yeah. Like, <laughs> like we, me and Mel went to Costa Rica 
We went to Nicaragua. That was an experience. I'd like to dive into that. How was that? Okay. So here's my Nicaragua Let's story. Unpack this. Yeah, I want to hear this. Costa Rica got rid of their army a long time ago yeah. so that everyone could go to college. Mm-hmm. They do have a police force. And when you go to the border, so we, we flew into Costa Rica. We took a day trip to Nicaragua. So we drove. They're, they're borders. You get to the border of, of Costa Rica and Nicaragua, and it's like night and day. So on the Costa Rican side, they're very serious. Like they take their border security very seriously, considering that they are next door neighbors to Nicaragua. And then you get through, and then there's this like middle passage between the two, and then you get to the the, the Nicaraguan side. I don't know what you're imagining the border of Nicaragua is like, but whatever you're imagining <laughs> is correct. Mm. <laughs> it it was you saw guys with we saw a motorcycle gang <laughs> we saw guys with hands handfuls of cash like all sorts of trades oh, going on some shady yeah <laughs> we're almost certain we saw like human trafficking like no. we we saw a lot like we saw so much where i told mel i was like you are not to move <laughs> off of my hip like, we are moving in tandem as we're walking around. Now, once we got into Nicaragua, like, really got into it, we went to Gr- Granada, which is this beautiful, gorgeous city in Nicaragua. It was fantastic. It was it was gorgeous. They have Lake Nicaragua is one of the largest lakes in the world, and it has islands on it, and it's next to a volcano an active volcano that has its own climate because it's so high. And there are islands, and these islands you can build houses on. Hmm. So there are people, like, we're going on this tour, and there are literally people, like, coming out of their house and just waving hello. There's a an island big enough for the school. So all the kids that live on these island, on the island lake go to school by boat. That is so cool. And it was dope. Like, we had a great time. But the border... The border was scary as hell. Like it was, we we look back on that and go, we were probably too stupid to be as scared as we should have been. So were they, I mean, is it are they stamping passports? Is it? Oh yeah, like no, that? no, no. You have to go through proper channels, but it's still run by the Sandinistas, and they're they've got all sorts of problems going on in Nicaragua right now. There have been protests, and and college students have been protesting. But it was uh, it was a fascinating look. But I got us through that. Like I got like we I was able to to talk enough. And what I've noticed and you both travel, I've noticed that if you make the effort, people will meet you halfway on it. Like they don't quite know. Like, okay, you're at least trying. They get happy. It, It makes them happy to see someone's trying to learn their language. I mean, to us, I think here as Americans, we're very privileged. We don't have to make that effort because everywhere you go, especially, you know, in Europe, they they I'm normal over there. That's what they call normal. They all speak minimum three to four languages, you know, and English is one of them. But here we have that privilege where most of the world speaks English. Therefore, we don't really have to make an effort. So it's it's just a lack of I call it laziness, to be honest. I think languages are essentially the most powerful thing because it breaks barriers. They break barriers, languages. 
they do if if all three of us didn't speak the same language right now we wouldn't have been able to have this podcast we wouldn't have been able to form the relationships that we have that's true. We could have had some fun with the donuts, though, because oh, yeah. some would call food the See, universal food language. Is, food is and universal. donuts are universal love. So, Definitely. You know. Love it. Yeah. Let's be real here for a second. <laughs> yeah. And that's why in sports, go. I'm going to relate it back to sports because that's the field I'm going into. I see that it's very helpful because a lot of athletes, especially in baseball, if I end up, if I find myself covering baseball at some point in my life, there, there's a lot of Spanish-speaking players. It is a valuable resource. With the way the demographics are moving in baseball, it is very valuable to, to speak Spanish. And, and, I mean, you know this. There's a difference. There's a difference between mm-hmm. the way Venezuelans speak Spanish yeah. and Mexicans speak Spanish. There's a difference between – and I, I had this actually happen where I got to witness it, and I'll never forget it. Back when Ozzie Guillen was managing the White Sox and Lou Pinella was managing the Cubs, they do the crosstown where the Cubs mm-hmm. and the White Sox would play. And so the managers, you know, they would talk or whatever. When they got together, even though both of them speak English, Ozzie and Lou spoke Spanish to each other. Mm-hmm. And it was fascinating because Ozzie, I think, left school in sixth grade. You know, he's, he's from a tough area in Venezuela. And Lou speaks Castilian Spanish. Which is what I speak, yeah. So hearing those two, like, I was like, this is the same language? Because it didn't it didn't feel like the same language where Ozzy is speaking more Venezuelan street. Exactly. And Lou is, is speaking this, like, beautiful, like, I'm like, what? Like <laughs> Even within countries, though, they're different. So I'll take Spain, for example, because I speak Castellano. So, for example... If you go to Madrid, you're going to hear mainly what I the way I speak. If you go to Barcelona, it's going to be Catalonian, which is completely different. And even with, so for example, Mexican Spanish, they say corazón. I say corazón. Then Mexican Spanish say, for what's a word I could bring? Okay, shrimp. They say camarones in Mexico. I say gambas in Spain. So even for like different words, there mm. are different you know, depending on the country you're going to. So there are differences. It was it was a is a fascinating thing for me to learn and watch that. And now, like as as players come around, I like the MLB is is now legislated that there have to be translators. I'm not sure that every team is living to the letter of the law on that. But I can only imagine if you dropped me at nineteen in Japan. Mm-hmm. Trying to speak with the media there would be horrific. It's intimidating. It would be horrific to do that. And I wouldn't want to try that in Japanese until I felt real comfortable. So I get why you have athletes who are like, I don't don't want to do a press conference and try to do it in English. One, for people to make fun of me. And two, I can't get my point across. Right. Right. It's, It's that, by the way, might be a career path for you. (laughs) <laughs> I'm serious. Like, if if you decide I don't want to be in front of the camera, yeah, and you want to be around sports, just do that. The translator gig is yeah, a I'd enjoy great that. gig. High demand. Yeah, high demand it. for sure. Especially with soccer, because the languages I like are are big in soccer. So maybe I don't know. My goal is to go to Spain one day and get to work there, cover Real Madrid, even though they've been. Uh, I, I don't even want to bring it up. I'm so happy that we got to talk about language. And I'm re- I am really, 
I think that's going to be my next thing. I'm doing something right now that I'll be done with before the summer begins, like a project that I'm working on that at some point I will talk with you about uh, when it becomes, when I get to a point where I feel like I can spike the football on it, I will share with you, but not before. That's a, a big thing in my house. But after that project is done, the next thing that I want to do is fluently learn Spanish and or as, get as close as I can because I want to be able to communicate better when I'm in locker rooms or clubhouses or just talking to Spanish language broadcasters. Like I like to talk to them on their terms instead of them always having to talk to me on mine. And, and as we discussed, I thought that that was um, a really significant part of where we're at from a from a, a sport, sports culture point of view, we're, we're in that spot right now. So I wanted to put a spotlight on that because Bella is, is really impressive. The fact that she speaks five languages to me is insane. I, I don't know how you keep all that straight, and I do feel like people who can do that, they can, can speak a bunch of different languages, like their minds just seem to work differently. So that was part one of, of this. I will tell you that part two is more, more career illuminating, in my opinion. Like, I felt like they, they did some digging on, on me as a broadcaster, and I thought that they did an incredible job with it. I was going to make this just one episode, but... It's so long. Like it would end up being two hours. And I didn't want to I didn't want you to have to sit through two hours of conversation without a little bit of a break. So that's why I broke it up into part one and part two. And I remember doing the thing with Jason. I was like, maybe I should just let the whole thing ride as one episode. But I still feel like there needs to be some consistency with the amount of time the podcasts are. And I've gone long on a bunch of them. Ordinarily, I'm shooting for about 55 minutes or so. And we keep drifting off into an hour plus. And I know that you don't mind. And I do appreciate that that you don't mind as much as I think you mind. But I do want to try and keep it consistent. It also doesn't, doesn't hurt that it, if you liked episode or part one of this episode, maybe you'll come back for part two which I would highly recommend that you do. But Matthew and Bella did a wonderful job of setting this up and, and doing and, and turn me turning the podcast over to them in, in a sense and giving them the, the opportunity to do this. I thought they handled it really, really well. And, and if it wasn't made clear in this first half of this, it will be made clear when you hear part two. All right. All right. Now, how about we do some emails? You can email the podcast at houseoflpodcast at gmail.com. I'm actually going to bring some people to go see the Wolves. So if you're interested to go see the Wolves on Superhero Night, December 29th, hit me up on the podcast and let me know, and I will see if I can get you some tickets. Some people have already done that. I've seen your request. We'll we'll pick someone and hopefully a couple people. I'll, I'll talk to the Wolves and see if they allow uh, a couple more people to come and hang out. This email from Nicholas, Nicholas says, 
Lawrence, absolutely love the show. My mom was a reporter at the Tribune in 2009. When I was 16, she passed away, and I now live out of state. House of L gives me a window back into Chicago media, always bringing me back home no matter where I am. Appreciate that. That's from Nick. Oh, Nick, that's nice. It's really nice. I'm glad that you, you continue to have that connection. That's good. And I'm glad that you're even interested in what's going on in Chicago media now that you've kind of moved on with your life. But thank you for hitting me up on the email. This from Pablo. Lawrence, I just finished listening to your interview with the dear boy himself, Herb Lawrence, and heard you mention that he's one of the reasons why you and your wife are together and married. I thought it would be great if you could discuss this with Melissa when you finally do your episode with your lovely wife, possibly have you each tell the story. Full disclosure, my wife and I are regulars with your wife when she used to tend bar across the street from our old apartment. There was nary a Monday that we didn't spend with Mel and miss those days in the restaurant greatly. As far as we're concerned, she's the salt of the earth and obviously think the world of her. Thanks again for the podcast. It's from Pablo. That's super nice of you to say, Pablo. Yeah, my my wife is a killer bartender. And I don't really drink a lot, so, you know, it's weird. But she knows everything. Like, she knows about wine. And uh, when I'm nice, she will make me margaritas at home. And they will put you on your ass. I, Roki came over. We had a bunch of people over. And I remember... <laughs> I remember Roki came over and she's like, yeah, make me one of those margaritas. And I was like, yo, Rokes, legit, like she's not messing around. And Roki had one of them and she was a mess. And it was a beautiful mess. It was great. She was around, you know, all the people that love it and protect her. So it was no big deal. But it was just hysterical, like how powerful Mel made the drinks and she's really good at making drinks. So, yeah, she's got a lot of a lot of fans from her time tending bar on the south side. And it's great to have that that um that type of access to, to someone who knows how to make a good drink, how to select a good drink. It, she's extremely talented. She's also a, a pretty talented broadcaster, and I think you'll find that out when when White Panther gets her episode. So we'll do that. That'll be the next thing. After part two of this, that'll be the next part of of the pod but i appreciate you checking in and those nice words and that nice sentiments about mel this from phil lawrence i just watched a baking show hosted by spice adams and baby spice can you get him on the podcast and talk to him about how his hollywood career started thanks for all the entertaining episodes i love the herb episode that's from phil yeah man i need to get spice on just because spice is like his clout now on twitter is amazing Spice and I actually do a couple of charity events together a year, and we do stuff for for special education in DuPage County. And we're going to do that again in March where we do a raffle, we do an auction, and, and he's he's a really wonderful guy. He, he's smart. He's really funny. He's figured out a way to monetize all the things that made him a beloved teammate. And seeing him do the Great American Bake Off – Seeing him be out there on Raw, it's it's crazy. And I I have mad respect for that guy, and I really like him. He, he has a, a really wonderful family, too. His wife is one of my favorites. Like, she's, she's the best. This from Doug. Hey, Lawrence, thank you for the podcast. It's a great way to keep tabs on my hometown while living in Cincinnati. I added the Nada. 
I think a great guest would be Jen Latta, not to mention she went to the same high school as me. I'd love to hear her story on how she got in the business. Jen's one of my favorites, and, and if you go back, I don't know if you've listened to it, Doug, but if you go back to the, the episode with Kelly Kroll, she is mentioned in there as being someone who has kind of mentored Kelly and befriended Kelly. Jen is great. Um, her husband has been on my radio show, too. He's dope. Dario, who works in, in, in Milwaukee, she's tough. Like, I've always liked Jen because she suffers no fools. She's, you know, she's teeny tiny, but it doesn't seem that way when she walks in a room. When she walks in the room, there's respect coming from all sides because she's not playing. She's there to get a story. She's there to do a job, and, and I completely respect that. I saw her, was it last year? Maybe two years ago at Cubs convention, which was strange. Yeah, it was two years ago because it was them coming off the World Series. And it was her, me, and Ranji. And we were just sitting there like, we're all at Cubs convention after the Cubs won the World Series. This is strange because we spent a lot of our careers covering the White Sox. And, of course, Ranji and I are White Sox fans. So it was fun like to just kind of – kick it with her and talk about the business. I'm really proud of what she's done. She's she's turned into an amazing storyteller on television. The stuff that she does for game day. She's right up there with Rinaldi now, like Jen trying to make you cry on a Saturday morning, and she is succeeding in that regard. Let's do one more here. This from uh, Jeremy, who says, you had mentioned on the podcast about tickets for the Wolves game on Superhero Night. Is there going to be a contest for the tickets? It's from Jeremy. Yeah, man, I'm going to give away some tickets, so I will let you know via email. I'm going to see if I can get a couple more tickets from the Wolves. They've been a good partner to this podcast so far, so maybe they'll they'll be able to give us a little bit more uh, as far as tickets, but I'm glad that they're down. We're actually I'm actually going to be coming from a wedding to come hang out at the game, just so everyone knows. So I might like have a Green Lantern shirt on over a suit, so don't think it's weird. It's just who I am. Thanks for listening to this episode. I'm glad you get the opportunity to hear a couple of my really bright and talented students do their thing. I'm glad that they were available for it. Matthew Zafe, Bella Michaels. Those two, they got some they got some chops, man. They know what they're doing. They did a great job with part 1. Man, just wait until you hear part 2. They dig deep. And you'll find out some stuff about me that you probably didn't know already. I'll leave you with that and let you know I'll be back on with the pod after the Bears-Packers game. Have a great rest of your week. Thanks for supporting the pod. Go back and listen to older episodes, older interviews that you didn't check out. They're all really good. And retweets are better than likes. We're going to put that on a t-shirt. Peace.